Read and hear more about important news and policy issues at ncpolicywatch.com. This is News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views. I'm Rob Schofield. A little over three decades ago, the General Assembly established a special state study commission called the North Carolina Child Fatality Task Force. Its charge? To monitor and examine child deaths in our state and to make recommendations to the governor and the General Assembly on how to prevent them, as well as how to prevent child abuse and neglect and support the safety and well-being of children. Recently, the task force released its 2023 report, and as I learned in a conversation I had with the group's executive director, attorney Kella Hatcher, despite progress in some areas, many of the most recent data points are extremely sobering, with big jumps in firearm deaths, suicides, and mental health problems. Fortunately, as Hatcher also told me, the report also makes clear that the state is not without doable and affordable solutions that lawmakers could and should readily tackle in the ongoing legislative session. Well, Kella Hatcher, welcome back to News and Views. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Rob, for having me. Before we get into some of the details of your most recent report, remind our listeners about the Child Fatality Task Force. It's really a, a rather special and unusual organization in that it's, it's not just a private nonprofit. It's actually a function of state government, right? It is, Rob. It's an unusual organization. It was created in 1991 as part of the statewide child fatality prevention system, It was originally created to be a temporary organization, but it was so successful in those early years and did so much good that they decided to make it permanent. And so what the Child Fatality Task Force does is it studies our state's data surrounding child deaths and also takes in a lot of information from experts about uh, strategies to prevent child deaths and prevent child maltreatment. And then the task force makes recommendations to the governor and the General Assembly for changes in law and policy and sometimes for state funding for things that will prevent child deaths uh, in the future and prevent child maltreatment. Right now, we've got a new report, your new 2023 annual report to the governor and the General Assembly. It's got data on child deaths and recommendations for changes in the law, state funding. Before we even get into the details, can you give us a sort of overview of how kids are faring in North Carolina these days? That seems maybe there are some grounds for concern. Yeah, you know, when we looked at the data both last fall and the day, even some of the data that has just recently come out, we definitely have concerns about the rates of firearm deaths. And so that's all types, whether it's homicide, suicide, unintentional. Those went up dramatically in 2020 and 2021. So that's something that we're really paying attention to. And also the youth mental health crisis has continued to worsen. And so we looked at some data from the Youth Risk Behavior Survey that was taken in 2021, and there was troubling data from that. And so we know that we need to do what we can to address these youth mental health issues. We're talking about suicide prevention from the perspective of the task force. We also have seen that the infant mortality rates, although we didn't see those rates go up, they're stubbornly too high. And we are among a tier of states that unfortunately have the highest infant mortality rates. So we have a lot of work to do there. I was struck by some of the gun violence numbers and and thought about it. What do we think is behind this? Is it the pandemic? Is it social media? Is Is it just the fact that it's so easy to get access to a weapon in our society these days, or maybe a combination of all those factors? I think those are all good questions, and I'm not sure we're going to know the specific answers to them, maybe for some time. We certainly do know that there was a surge in gun purchases during the pandemic, 
And just logically, when you have more guns that are around, that means more guns that are potentially accessible to curious young children and adolescents who may be at risk of harming themselves or others. We did get some, you know, disturbing information from that YRBS survey that I referred to that said that um, 30% of North Carolina high school students reported it would take them less than an hour to get and be ready to fire a loaded gun without a parent or adult's permission. You know, you asked, is it easy access? That surely is part of the issue. And so that is one of the reasons that the task force has been focused for several years now on a statewide firearm safe storage education and awareness initiative. And the suicide rates, which I assume firearms play a big role in, but not it's not exclusively a function of firearms. How do you get your head wrapped around that, the rising suicide rates? Are there some general takeaways on that? Well, for one thing, I mean, we have to look at that whole youth mental health crisis, you know, as a whole, more broadly. But when you, you asked about, you know, the, the firearm suicides, um, unfortunately, that has become the majority of suicide deaths, that firearms are the lethal means used in the majority of those deaths. And the firearm suicides have increased. And so when we talk about those two things, we have to talk about the overlap there. And when we talk about youth suicide and the youth mental health crisis, a really critical thing that that we've paid attention to in our task force meetings is what can we do in schools? Because really schools are, are where we have an opportunity to meet all kids where they are. And when we look at schools, we're really thinking about what kinds of supports do we have. And one of the things that the task force is focused on is getting more school nurses, social workers, counselors, and psychologists into schools. Because we know that they are the ones who really have the ability to connect with those kids one-on-one, potentially identify a child who is in crisis or is headed there and potentially connect them to community services. But they're also the ones that really get those programs going in in schools that are prevention related and educational related. Unfortunately, in North Carolina, we have far too few of these professionals compared to what national recommendations are telling us about our ratios. So for example, um, we would need four times as many school social workers as we have in order to get to those nationally recommended ratios. That's amazing. I'm friends with counselors and social workers who describe some of the just overwhelming caseload that they have to confront in in our schools. You also recommend implementing a statewide electronic school health data system, right? It's sort of amazing that when it comes to school records, many are still on paper and that there's not really even any kind of a universal system in place in our state. No, there isn't. And, And that would really be helpful. And it kind of goes along with helping these school support professionals, the nurses and the social workers, the counselors and psychologists, so that when a child moves from school to school or district to district, they have the opportunity to pick up where that last school left off in terms of understanding the types of physical and mental health issues that those professionals have been dealing with. And so that is an important kind of piece of this puzzle is we really need to modernize those kinds of systems. Yeah, we know that so many, especially a lot of our troubled kids are often on the move a lot. Perhaps their families are low income. They may be moving from place to place and school to school. And I would think that would be especially useful to them. We're talking with Kella Hatcher, who's the executive director of the North Carolina Child Fatality Task Force. You alluded to infant mortality, another issue that's been going in the wrong direction. We've had some 
previous hard-fought improvement there. Are there things we should be doing to address that? Are there some specific recommendations that the task force can see that would perhaps get us moving back again in the right direction? There are, Rob. And one area that we have focused on is the area of infant deaths that occur in unsafe sleep environments. I think these are much more common than people realize. We're seeing more than 100 deaths per year, the Office of the Chief Medical Examiner tells us. And the American Academy of Pediatrics changes their guidelines and recommendations about infant safe sleep periodically. And the last round of recommendations was even in 2022. So it's really critical that we have programs in our state that are geared around educating not only the parents and the caregivers, but the healthcare providers and the you know, social workers and everybody who's educating them. There's been studies that show that even healthcare providers are not always providing correct and accurate information. Right now, North Carolina is only spending $97,000 a year on programming that relates to preventing these deaths. And so the task force is recommending that we get up to $250,000 a year so that we can just do more. We're talking about a lot of folks to educate, and it's a, it's a big state with a big population, and so we need to expand those efforts. Another area in infant mortality that we have recommended is this area where we, we know that there are, are certain maternal and infant health care strategies that are known to produce better outcomes. And so the, the task force is recommending that we up some funding for Medicaid for group prenatal care and doula services that are known to produce better birth outcomes and reduce disparities. And also we know that obstetrical care providers who treat Medicaid patients are currently getting a reimbursement rate that is is well below um, national averages. And if we can increase that rate, maybe we can attract more maternal health care providers to take Medicaid patients, especially in those rural areas that lack providers. Another area in which clearly there needs to be more happening is nicotine tobacco use by our kids. That's an area we've sort of seen a decrease in funding over the last decade. And this has happened as the use of e-cigarettes by youth has really increased dramatically. I take it that's another priority. That is an area that the task force has worked on for several years. When it comes to looking at tobacco and nicotine use, we're talking about somewhere around one in four North Carolina high school students that are using e-cigarettes. And those can contain high doses of nicotine. And yet we know that nicotine is highly addictive. It can cause harm to adolescent brain development. We know it's toxic to developing fetuses and can impair fetal brain and lung development. And that tobacco use during pregnancy is associated with leading causes of infant death. So Although folks would not necessarily associate nicotine use with the kinds of things the task force works on, they, they definitely have a direct impact in the kinds of things that we're working on. There was another recommendation in the, in the report about kids who go to day camps. They may be around water, but really no rule governing that or addressing water safety for kids in children's day camps, swimming and 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 potential for drowning. Is that another thing you all looked at in this report? The task force did endorse a recommendation that another group is working on that relates to requiring lifeguards at children's day camps that offer time in the water. There's no current requirement. There's no current set of regulations or laws that pertain to all children's day camps. And so it's a complicated issue, but we certainly know that evidence is very clear that lifeguards provide an important layer of protection against drowning. And so that was 
um, that was a recommendation that we endorsed. And before we went on the air, you talked to me about the more overarching recommendation, I believe, that y'all may have in terms of our child fatality system. Yes, the child fatality prevention system, as I noted earlier, it's been around since 1991. And it came together in, in various pieces at different times. But the task force has a set of recommendations that it has worked on since 2018 that relate to optimizing and strengthening that system. Most people don't realize it, but we have child death review teams in every county in our state. And these are made up of community leaders from schools and the court system and social services and, and local mental health and public health. And all kinds of folks who come together to review a child death to understand what may have happened in public systems that are designed to protect kids. And if things went wrong, what can we do to prevent them in the future? And yet the problem is the way the system is currently structured, it's, it's disjointed in terms of who's in charge of what. We have an unusually large number of teams with respect to both local teams state level teams and our group, the task force, but we also don't do a good job of collecting information that we learn from these reviews. And we are one of only two states that is not part of the National Fatality Case Review Reporting System. That is a national data system that was created for the specific purpose of having these multidisciplinary teams be able to record and track and produce meaningful reports with what they learn. And if we started to use that system, which would need sufficient state level support to do so, we would be able to collect much richer layers of data on all of these types of, of deaths that get reviewed so that we can really understand them better and start to see trends at the local level, at the state level, at the regional level, and be able to react to them from a policy perspective and from, you know, the perspective of local prevention initiatives. We've been discussing the most recent recommendations of the North Carolina Child Fatality Task Force to the governor and the General Assembly about how we can get after this issue of child fatalities in our state with the executive director of the task force, Kella Hatcher. Kella, where can people, could they get read the report themselves, learn about it, maybe even get involved in this issue and speak up on it? Absolutely, Rob. Our report is posted on our website. We are actually hosted by the General Assembly. So you can find the Child Fatality Task Force on the General Assembly's website. Our report is there. Our meetings and our meeting documents, pretty much everything we do is public and is on that site. And so there's a lot of data there in addition to the report and a lot of information and it's great if people just want to understand more ab about these issues so that they can plug themselves into their communities or wherever they can become involved in these issues that relate to child fatality prevention and promoting child well-being. Ella Hatcher is the executive director of the North Carolina Child Fatality Task Force. You can go to ncledge.net or, or just uh, do a web search for the Child Fatality Task Force. It'll come right up. Kella. Thank you for your service to our state. This is incredibly important work, and I know you've got a lot to do, so um, keep up the good work, and we'll talk again real soon. Thanks so much, Rob. Coming up next, a preview of the latest must-see WRAL-TV documentary. Stay with us.